0: Guys, After months of waiting and a year of writing, my new book, Girl, Wash Your Face, is finally out in the world. I want to thank you so much. Every single one of you who has bought the book on ebook or a physical copy or on audio, your support means the world to me. And if you are listening to my podcast and you haven't yet bought the book, you're dead to me. No, I'm totally kidding. But I am serious about how important this was keep talking about it because I sincerely believe there are tools in it that can help change your life. So if you have the $16, I want you to go buy it right now because you love your pal Rach. And if you don't, head to the library or borrow it from a friend. But if you care enough to listen here, you're going to love the wisdom inside of this book. Girl, wash your face. I promise you will not be sorry you did. Welcome to The Deus Podcast. My name is Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and a Google search bar. Each week, we'll share direct, tangible advice or inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life. On today's episode, I chat with Kurt Steinhorst, the best selling author of Can I Have Your Attention? We're discussing the ins and outs of being distracted in work and in life and tips on what to do about it. We also got into our friendship and how you can navigate a male female relationship in a way that's respectful to your partner. Hey, Kurt! Thanks so much for hanging out with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Rachel. I'm excited. Yeah.
0: So for people who do not know you, will you give us your bio and tell us what you do, what you're all about?
1: Yeah. So I study attention and speak and write, and I'm a part of a team that works with companies and organizations on um, why we can't focus on anything and uh, how that impacts uh, basically every part of our lives.
0: Um, I was going to say that's awesome, and then I was like, yeah, that's a ridiculous response to such a thing. Um, it is actually really interesting, though, because you are studying attention because you grew up struggling with that. Is that correct?
1: That's right. I, uh, I was the kid that couldn't pay attention. So I have ADD, and there's definitely something ironic about the fact that today I speak on Focus as someone who can't. Uh, I often say... Um, I guess the next session, next session should have Kanye West on modesty.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, so for you, how, like, was this, I I feel like in my own journey, a lot of times I wasn't consciously trying to figure out the answers for other people. I was just trying to solve the problems in my own life. And then that kind of led me to the work that I do now. Do you feel like that's what happened with you?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Actually, what happened to me specifically was I, I never took medication as a kid. I uh, had really great parents. So I'm definitely not anti-medication, but uh, a combination of environmental and then uh, the fact that I uh, enjoy diving deeply for uh, into content and learning as long as it's for a brief amount of time uh, made it where I was able to survive. Well, then I started my first business. And it was this weird moment because I was actually getting to do exactly what I was most passionate about. And that was helping people with their public speaking. So I had a chance to work with people that had a really big platform, writing their speeches, coaching them on speaking. And it was the first time in my life that I felt overwhelmingly ill-equipped to deal with all that was coming at me. And it it wasn't like the hard work. It was actually just the endless inputs coming, uh, asking me to reply to an email, uh, my girlfriend who's my wife. And uh, I had Gmail chat at the time. And so <laughs> there was just so many options available. And all of a sudden I look up and uh, I'm working with a guy who was my grandfather's hero, an NFL Hall of Famer, and I can't figure out how to get myself to actually complete a speech. And so it was this shift for me that said, I got to figure this out. So it, it had no, I had no uh, plans for it to become a professional endeavor.
0: I think the best... Like sort of callings or vocations that we find ourselves pulled into are always the things that people say, I never, ever anticipated this would be what I was doing. It just sort of unfolded organically. Tell me me about your book and talk about distraction. Talk about what what prompted you to write it and what keeps you on the road speaking to all of these different companies about why being distracted is so harmful.
1: Yeah. So it's really interesting because uh, you know, no one would ever expect someone with ADD could complete a book, um, whether reading or writing, unless there's lots of pictures. The book was actually just this chance for me to finally organize uh, the ideas that not just me, but the team that I'm on, were are working on and thinking about and working with companies on like literally, what are we seeing work at companies? What are we seeing the challenges? And I think the reason that I have the chance to do what I get to do is because most of us feel the distraction is a problem. Uh, this isn't new, by the way, even like Blaise Pascal in like the 12th century was talking about uh, the challenge of uh, distraction was one of the core issues of, of what it means to be human. And so that's not new, but there's just this confluence of events and technology and trends that make us feel uh, very aware that uh, who we want to be and the things that we want to be doing seem to be drifting further and further away from what we're actually doing. Uh, so I, th- I think the distinct place that we play is is not just in identifying that it's a problem, because there's a lot of people out there that are like, technology is the problem, Silicon Valley is the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's where we find more interesting, uh, interesting things to discuss in my mind.
0: Yeah, I feel like you and I have talked about this before, because it would almost seem like our work is in opposition to each other because (laughs) I am like, I love social media. I think social media has created bridges for people to connect all over the world, for people to find community and friendships that they wouldn't have otherwise found in their everyday life. But then there is a massive group of people who hate on social media because it is so distracting, because it's pulling us further and further apart uh, from interacting in person.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so it's funny because there's no doubt that's what be the uh, natural response. Like I'm on one side and you're on the other. But, you know, one of the great things about being friends is it uh, helps to see the nuance in the conversation. And so uh, what I would say is is social media can be uh, one of the best tools when used well, and uh, rather than think about it as the enemy, what we actually should ask the question of is what is it saying about us, and what is it uh, changing about us. So, just like a couple ways that I I think can create a more helpful conversation uh, are things like um, like by our nature we're going to be social, and the thing that social media does is it moves us from having a single cohesive community that helps us shape what is important, which is what attention is. It's where we we put our attention on what we perceive as important. And it's moved to more of a fragmented network where there's a lot of people without context telling us what's important. And so it's not to get off of social media, but we do need to come into it with an understanding of what we actually value and what we're looking to gain. Otherwise, we leave confused. And uh, the way we describe that is we're distracted.
0: That is such fantastic advice. And I've never really thought of it from that angle of the importance that you're giving. I tend to think of, uh, you know, that old saying, like you are the combination of the five people that you surround yourself with or that you hang out with most. And a lot of times I don't think that people recognize that your social media consumption is the other person in the room. So so who you are consuming, the media that you are consuming is affecting what you think and believe. And I love the idea that it is what you are deeming important because I haven't thought of that before. Like I just tend to think like, man, if you are struggling with body image issues and you only follow fitness models, well, hello, like there's a reason you're consuming media that says that you need to look a certain way. But I've never really thought of the idea that this is what you have decided is important. That's a really incredible thing. I think for listeners to consider is if we looked at what you're consuming in this space, would you be proud? Like, would that be your intention that this is what we believe you think is important?
1: Uh, there's a great Spanish philosopher that says, tell me what you pay attention to and I'll tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, one of the things I think that's really important about this, so it doesn't make someone feel guilty is uh, we don't typically make active decisions on this. Like if we, we don't even have the capacity to, we, we have very limited capacity to make a number of decisions every single day. And so rather than saying, is the time I'm spending on, say, like, it tells me what's important instead, just change the conversation and say, um, how do I filter out, how do I filter out the information in the, the, connections that I'm that I'm actually consuming and being changed by because we are being changed by them. So that what actually does matter to me gets clearer and, and it becomes more aligned with the direction that I want to go. Because mm-hmm. you know it gets challenging when we have thousands of inputs all yelling this is important. And then we feel guilty that we aren't able to figure out what actually is.
0: Well I think too, I mean it's pretty obvious where this would manifest in business, right? So if you're distracted throughout the day Uh, I'm, I'm sure you have stats on how much like give me some of the groovy numbers on how much how often people are distracted and how that affects them in the workplace.
1: Well, there's all sorts of fun ones on this one. So, you know, depending on the industry, it can be anywhere from an hour to even four hours a day can be spent cyber loafing, which is wow, that wonderful feedback loop. Like 60% of online retail purchases occurred during working hours.
0: Wow, um, that's crazy.
1: Like 87% of people- that
0: down. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who sells things online, I feel yeah. like I need to know that.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> totally. You know, but here's the other part. Does that mean that we're terrible people because it's two p.m. and I'm at the lull of the day, and rather than, you know, going and taking a smoke break or hanging out at a desk, I'm shopping on Amazon? Well, maybe not. I don't know that, that that's a bad thing. You know, what I would say is actually the bigger challenge here is that you know when we've lowered the boundaries and the barriers, we send messages with ease uh, because anytime I get in a, a message, I feel. Uh, like a burden. I feel like it's the hot potato and I send it back. And now we're looking at people sending and receiving 215 emails a day at work, and 86% of them are actually not crucial to work. And so there's this volume of communication and it's outside of any context most often. And so it's yet again the screaming voices saying, This matters, pay attention to this. What we don't recognize in this process is just how limited we are in our capacity to attend to it. Like we can't read all those emails. So we make decisions, but typically not the right ones as to what we choose to put our attention on, uh, which is, you know.
0: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more. All built to last. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cash debit. Discover Bank member FDIC.
1: Can be really challenging for uh, how we think about and, and engage our work.
0: Uh, what this makes me think of is, uh, like, I jokingly say this, but I really do have a certain amount of OCD about unopened emails unopened text messages, like the little alert things on your phone, it makes my skin crawl. Dave has, I mean, probably 4,000 literally unopened emails right now. Uh, You know, 50 voicemails he hasn't listened. Like his phone is just, it makes me want to die. So obviously he doesn't care about it. But for someone like me, that is a massive distraction because I feel like I'm not on top of my life if things aren't opened and handled. But then I also recognize like when I'm on deadline for a book, like I just finished the book, I shut my internet off on my phone and my computer. That is the only way I will finish is if I am, I don't even have the ability to use it. What is the, I can't do that every day in the workspace because I need the internet to do my job, but that, that makes me feel antsy. And so I'm constantly checking it because I don't want it to be undone.
1: Yeah, totally. So first off, uh, any attempt to say you shouldn't care about that is is not exactly realistic. So there's some people that need inbox zero. There's some people that don't. Uh, what I would say is is the the key here is setting up filters that make it easier to manage. The volume. There's actually great ways that technology can help us with the challenges of technology. One of the, just like on a related note, one of the interesting things is that we, we actually have this weird misunderstanding of what it means to be successful. A lot of us at work, it's as if we have. Have modeled ourselves like the ideal worker is the machine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If if we just could just never um, get distracted, if we were just more disciplined and we were just faster and uh, more efficient. And it's like that actually, the whole model for that is be more like a machine, which is the one way that you absolutely know that you're going to have no value in the future, <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> um, they're better yes, than they'll,
0: us. They'll, they'll be there. Don't worry, the machines will be there. <laughs>
1: so some practicals here is use technology. So like for a couple different ways, programs like unroll.me, which can filter out newsletters and put them all into one email a day. So it, that way, you're not having to actively open and, and adjust for those. So that's one thing you can do. The other one, especially for someone like you, Rachel, well, I have ADD, which means that I if an email comes in, I'm excited about it because it means I don't have to actually do the thing I'm supposed to do. I use uh, someone that works with me that is far more disciplined who actually is the first filter for email. So, they have access to my inbox. I have a private email that that very few people know if they actually like just get to me, but for the most part, uh, if it's a basic need and it isn't actually personal, then I don't even see it. I'm not I'm not even allowed to see it. But that actually the reason I do that is because that means that any Anyone who actually does have something that I can help them with or engage like Rachel you send me an email you actually get me yeah totally and that's really
0: Wait, Gosh, why has, I mean, I know that people, I think of like big, I don't know, like Oprah for sure is not opening her own emails. And I, now I'm recognizing too, when we first started to know each other, I did go through someone to access you and then we became actual friends and now I can just shoot you an email or a text. It is, it, this is like, I'm having an epiphany right now on, it would be it would actually change my life to not have to go because I get so many dumb emails. Oh my gosh. And there are are people in business, so you can't just ignore that they've sent you something, but no, I don't have time. No, I cannot do that. No, I don't want to get coffee and let you pick my brain. I'm so sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good call. I never understood that thought. Like, oh, I thought someday when you're like, you know, the president, then someone reads your email,
1: <laughs> and so like there's a couple things here. First off, I think a lot of reason we don't is we feel like that it's the equivalent of a writer that demands green MMs, and you know that might have yeah. been true in a different world, but today it, you don't have to be a celebrity to be inundated by volume. This, yes, it, I mean it's unbelievable. Everybody thinks that they, they deserve constant access to you, and. At some point, we got to make a decision. All of us have to make a decision. Do we want to give um, enough attention to the people who we actually have a shared commitment to? Or do we want to give hardly any attention to everyone so that the people who don't actually have any investment in us feel like subtly good that I somehow responded to them. And so, I mean, it, this isn't reserved. We we actually, one of the big things we do in organizations is restructure the way teams work so that uh, certain people can play the role of traffic cop. Like they can mm-hmm. help be the filter. And now everybody benefits for that, from that because everyone feels like they're heard, but then the people that have real things, real important things, they actually get the, the focus that they deserve.
0: Good thought for everybody. Um, how does this play into personal relationships. I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this before, but I feel like it must be a massive, is this something that you touch on when you speak on this topic or do you tend to stick with business?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, the focus of my talks are business, but the context, you know, with the elimination of walls that what actually makes it impossible for us to be good in our work is the way that social domains the various social domains we have collide onto one another and so there's no separation like this concept of like work life balance you need to know <clears> when to turn it off when to turn it on like that makes no sense and it's always great advice for other people or what we'll do in a week um so it's it's uh we do cover kind of the personal side and the professional side on this and you know the the short and simple is it's not a matter of fully turning it off it's a matter of agreeing to Um, close off other social domains for periods so that there's not confusion about what actually matters. And so, Mm. conversation with my wife is when I come home from work, I travel way too much and it's really frustrating and hard uh, with young kids. But when I come home from work, there are endless things that would speed up Uh, My work, if I could just respond to them, but I actually, I say, no, um, I'm going to, I'm going to give my full focus here. I'm going to turn off like too much of the outside noises. And then that means that when I'm at work, uh, she doesn't expect to hear from me all day. And so what happens there is that each domain gets the attention it deserves rather than all the domains getting none of what they actually Yeah,
0: If everything's important, then nothing's important. That's right. Something I was just thinking as you were talking through this, that is... An interesting, this isn't exactly on your topic, but I think this would be compelling for people who are listening, is how we got connected, how we became friends. And I think how both of our, both of our like professional lives have benefited from being friends with each other. We met on a big call. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For lack of a better description, uh, we're both, we're, uh, Jessica Honiger is a mutual friend of ours. And how did you meet Jess, by the way?
1: So there is a, a community that is kind of my lifeline of um, leaders that are doing meaningful work across the globe, but who have both a, um, a component that's connected to their faith personally and then a market, but a business. A, um, like actually doing something in the market. So it's just this small community of people across the globe. And Jessica and I met when uh, we were at an event that was um, one of those events and and immediately hit it off. and, And she's been a friend ever since.
0: Yeah. So she got a bunch of us all on a phone call, and this is so Jess, but she got like basically every author she knew, which if you're Jessica Honiger, has some pretty big names on that list. And then there's me and Kurt (laughs) like listening like, oh, these people are fancy. But uh, whatever it was, you had said some things that day that I thought, gosh, there's He has some knowledge that would be really helpful for me and I have some knowledge that would be really helpful for him. We don't do the same thing exactly. Like I wanted to learn more about public speaking and how that becomes a viable business plan. And I knew that I had knowledge about social media and digital marketing that would be helpful for you. And I feel like that is a... a, I don't even know the word for this and we should probably coin it now and turn it into a book and make millions. But you know, for years, everyone's everyone's like, find a mentor, find a mentor, find a mentor. And I don't know about you, but that's not something I've had a ton of uh, success with in my life. I'm like, do these people grow on trees? I don't know where to find my mentor. So I have found, you know, uh, digital mentors and that I've just decided like Tony Robbins, Oprah, Brene Brown, like if you have created something that I can and consume. Me. Yeah, as you, right? <laughs> um, but no, well, this is what I think is interesting is that we're not, we, we're peers, but we have a lot of knowledge to mentor each other in. And I think that it's been, I mean, I don't know, maybe you don't like me at all, but I have so benefited from the knowledge that you've given me over the last, I don't know four months or whatever that we've known each other. So I just think that there's something interesting about that idea for people who are listening, that it doesn't have to be like you're the assistant and you get the CEO to be your mentor. I think that your peers can offer a lot of wisdom and value.
1: Yeah. Well, first off it, I've, um, it's been really fun because of all the things that you said, but also just, uh, it's, it's fun when you meet someone that immediately you say, Oh, this person's a kindred spirit. This person yeah, understands sure. my issues or my challenges, but also lives in a very different world than me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and actually, so let's just, I'll, I'll push it back to the stuff that, that I think about. Cause basically everything goes through this lens of attention, uh, for me. And, um, I think one of the things that's really hard today, it, people say, uh, you know, everybody has FOMO. We have fear of missing out. And we act like it's that I'm jealous that my friend's on a vacation on Instagram, which is actually not what it is. What it is, is like this constant awareness of all the stuff we don't know. Like we've never Mm. been more aware of like how much, uh, if we could just know this extra piece of information, if we could be a better expert in this space, then we would, our business would work. It's like, you know, for most of history, if you were a shoemaker, you were the only one like now you can yeah be and so it's actually really nice to be able to say hey i i I'm, I'm not going to be able to be a social media expert i'm not <laughs> but what I can do is I can find a friend who is enough yeah. like me that but they can help me and direct me in in the steps of that so like yeah. it offloads that work and um to mutual benefit, and so
0: yeah." I think, too, I feel like I want to say this because if I was listening to this conversation, this would absolutely pop into my head, and I just know other women are going to wonder, so I'm going to say it, and I think I even talked about this with you, is it, there is it is really weird, and I just want to call it out, like, it's weird to be a married woman in business and to become, and I'm using air quotes because no one can see me, but to become a friend with a married man or any man, like if one of you I don't know, it's just weird. And so for the longest time, I would uh, meet men in business that I really admired, but I also felt super weird about, hey, you want to be friends? Like, how do you even approach that in a way that's not awkward or um, disrespectful to your partner? Uh, and I know that there are people who are going to be like, oh, it doesn't matter. It does actually it matters a lot uh so it's worth saying in this situation in case there are people listening you are wondering i think when i first reached out to you i said in the email like hey i think uh i think we could i'd love to like chat with you i'm super happily married his name is dave i can't wait for you guys to meet each other you're going to be friends too But I just felt – and I've done that with a handful of guys that I have become like professional friends with of like from the very beginning, let's just be really clear on, I don't know, the boundary. Like just that I didn't want you to think I was a creep. Like, you know, because if you send uh, someone a note and you're like, hey, I really admire the work you're doing. I'd love to – get together for coffee, that sounds a little bit like you're asking them on a date. So I just think, I know that was not where you thought this co- this conversation was going to go. But if I was listening to us talk, I would wonder, oh, is that appropriate? Because there are some companies, like you know how much I love the Ramsey organization, and they have really hardcore rules about whether or not you can like... Be friends, like just two, like I'm not even making sense. But if you, if you and I work together at Ramsey Organization, we would not be able to travel together, just the two of us. Yeah, we would not be able to ride in a car together, just the two of us. Yeah, a lo- there are actually a lot of a lot of companies that have pretty hardcore rules. I'm Allison. Is Allison and I basically are having a conversation now? She's like, <laughs> what? Sorry, that took a weird turn. But I think if I was listening, I would wonder like, hey, there are people I would love to grow in, with my network and uh, collaborate with or whatever. But how do you do it in a way that feels respectful? And I just think um, it was worth totally. it was worth saying.
1: Yeah. And well, and I, I, I love that you did it because a couple of things that like I think about related to this uh, are that um, on the one hand, just to make it really clear, it's it would be extremely limiting to a professional if we could only... Uh, we could only engage with people that were the same gender as us. And and that's like a really unhealthy thing. On the other hand, uh, we live in this world that acts like that there aren't um, some real challenges to trust if we don't handle it with wisdom. And so like the practicals, and and this isn't like, I'm no authority on it, but there are definitely things that like any, anybody that, in my mind, that's committed most to the person that they've spent their they've committed their life to. Um, there's things we can do to make it like to to make it actually healthy and, and awesome. And so, like for instance, you said that, but my wife also uh, knows and thinks about and feels a part of the friendship that I have with the Hollises. And so, yeah, um, like Rachel, we've gotten to like we've been on a video call with Dave. I'm excited to talk to Dave. I've emailed yeah. Dave and yeah. Uh, Kimmy, my wife, uh, bought bought your New York Times bestseller. <laughs> told me she loves this podcast, so it's, yeah. it's like there's no there's no hiding. There's no like male female relationship that I have professionally that my wife isn't a part of in some yeah, way. That's, and that's great. What makes it, um, yeah, that's what makes it work.
0: It's really great advice, and I was thinking of it before I was coming in today because you are the second male I've ever interviewed on this podcast. The first one is Dave, and you're the second. And for the longest time, that was a conscious choice was, A, I want to just give a platform to women as often as possible, but B, I, for years, like really was praying for some like, gosh, I just want some friends in business. I want some friends who are um, not people that I'm mentoring, but people who are above me, who, uh, who can walk beside me, who know what this feels like or how hard it is. And, uh, I really struggled with that because there aren't necessarily a lot of women doing what I do, and then it's like, well, is it weird if they're guys? And I finally just was like, I if I I think if I approach this in the most respectful way possible, and like you said, D- Dave knows them, and it's not a weird thing, and we're all hanging out together, uh, then it's possible. Like, thank you for talking about how to respectfully have a, a relationship. Um, are you? I I don't even know that I, you're a reader, right? Are you a Are you a big reader? I can't remember. Oh well, how does this play into being distracted?
1: Yeah, great question. So my friends in college, uh, which is hard to believe, that's like fifteen years ago, used to joke that I was the best reader of the first three chapters of any book that
0: uh, exists, <laughs> um,
1: and, and so. Uh, Yes, I read, especially professionally have to read. Um, but honestly, I'm on the road a lot. I get nauseous on flights. And so mm. audiobooks were the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Because now I can like, I'll, I'll, I will do anything that someone else like cleaning the dishes, doing the laundry, cleaning the house, you give me a great audiobook, and I will do any of it. And so I, I have a like a method to make it where it's not just consumption without actually remembering anything. I, I literally mm-hmm. have an Evernote open evernote note open world type in notes. So I remember it, but, um, yeah, so I read some and then I do audio.
0: Okay. This made me, I have to ask you travel more than any person I know. And you just said you get sick on flights.
1: Uh, well I get sick when I'm like, when I'm, Oh,
0: when you're reading. Oh, thank goodness. I was like, what kind of life are you living? Oh no. Okay. Okay. Sorry. That makes yeah. much more sense. You
1: make sense bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: this is not the job choice for yeah. you, buddy. <laughs> marketcom slash reach Hey guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview, but now a quick word from a sponsor. Having RiSE FOMO? No worries, because we've got tons of RiSE events coming your way in 2019. Make sure and check out Let'srise.co for all the info need a date night schedule one girl do your future self a favor and get cozy it's the app that keeps my whole family schedule in one place so i can add a date night with dave and it automatically gets added to both our calendars get cozy c-o-z-i for free from your app store or at cozy.com forward slash rachel Hey y'all, do me a favor. While you're listening to today's episode, take a screenshot and put it on Instagram or your Insta stories and tag me. I love hearing what you think and seeing what you're up to, and it helps the tribe remember to go listen to this week's episode. Thanks so much. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna sidestep from the topic of distraction because I just thought of this. As someone who is traveling a ton for work, which means Does Kimmy stay home with the kids or she works as well?
1: She stays home with the kids. Okay.
0: So she is owning a lot more of that. She's taken on the lion's share of what's going on at home. And you all have little kids. How, um, How have you figured out ways to step in for her or help her. I, I, I was just in writing the book, I was talking about this idea that there are times where our careers or our goals or different things that we're working on mean that we don't have as much time at home. And the way that you can help to ease that a bit are showing up for your partner support in different ways. So I'm just curious, is there, do you guys have any tips or advice that you feel like has been really helpful for you that if someone's listening and they're the partner that travels more, or they're wanting to pursue their goal or dream, and it means it's going to be a hardship on the family, here are some things that have been effective from the guy who travels, you know, 83 jobs a year or whatever.
1: Well, um, first off, I I should just say that it has worked out well because uh, in one sense, because my wife um, always knew she wanted to stay home. She mm-hmm. uh, she was a, a coach and a teacher, but um, she's actually getting to do what she loves. So it makes <laughs> it easier for me, but it doesn't make it easy. And so um, some things that we just do... and. Let's be clear, this is a constant work. And I think really the, the biggest thing is a recognition that it's never been set. It's never settled. Um, so like highest level, the biggest shift for us, the most important thing is that we had to we've we've had to make travel the in, not the enemy but like we're on a team and the challenge is this difficult travel schedule um whether rather than like kurt's on one side and my wife yes. on the other side and we are now enemies and so that's yes um, it's
0: you two against the problem not you against each other
1: that's right. So that's number one. Number two is uh, I work really hard to be really present when I'm home and to do as much as I can to say, hey, go, you know, go do the thing with the girls. But um, you know, that doesn't make up for it, you know, outright. Uh, there's still a lot of days that it can feel lonely. So FaceTime and texting and stuff like that can be helpful. The, you know, the next thing is like we've just this is recent. Um, you know, we've had babysitters, we've had help. Um, we have not gotten someone to come in on a more consistent basis. And, you know, we just had to make a decision that said, uh, there's benefits and consequences to me being on the road, and mm-hmm. one of those benefits is that uh, we are in a position to where we shouldn't make that burden too. He- we shouldn't make that burden heavier than it needs to be. Which means that we'll get some help to support. One hundred
0: percent. We could. This can be the place that our friendship goes next because I will preach on having help, even if it's just part time, but consistently the same person. How much easier it makes it for the kids and for you guys. If you're like we know Pam's showing up at nine a.m. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, and that means that Kimmy gets to like plan her schedule around that. It's so helpful.
1: Yeah, and you know it's funny because a lot of times, and uh, Kimmy was a nanny in, in in college, and so like a lot of people think, oh, well, to get support means that you're not going to raise your own kids. No, oh, those t- <laughs>
0: people can shut up.
1: Yeah, and it's the total opposite. <laughs> yes. to get support actually means that your kids aren't like you don't hate your kids. Yes, <laughs> you can be yeah. loving to them, and so. Yes. Um, well, and it
0: means that you can spend the time with them that you want to be spending. Like for instance, hey, you're going to come and help us with the laundry because I want to play in the floor with the kids. That's right. I don't want someone to play with the kids. I want someone to help me with the other things so that I can be showing up in the ways that I want to show up. So no, I think I, yeah. And also if you have more than one child, this is our experience. If you have more than one kid, your help is coming and they help with like one kid and then you're managing or you're dividing and conquering. It's not like anyone who thinks that you're laying in bed eating bonbons when you have a nanny or when you have a babysitter is dumb and dumb people should not be listened to. So their opinion does not matter.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so last thing I, I was just thinking about when it comes to like how do we actually manage it? Um, like a lot of it is like um, mindset management. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. um, that means that like, for instance, just, you know, in full disclosure, yesterday was my birthday and what? I, yeah, so.
0: Holy, and um, I blew you off on your birthday. I know, I know. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, what so, did you do? Were you, you not even there? You were in Florida? No. So this Where, is the
1: first birthday I was in Atlantic city and, and now I'm in oh, Florida and then head to Vegas. So this is the first Atlantic birthday. Atlantic city is
0: so much worse. It I mean, it's worst. like literally the worst place you could have been. How old did you turn out of curiosity? 35. 35. Yeah. You weren't home for 35. I'm so sad for you. Oh man. Wait, sorry. I interrupted you. Keep no, going. totally. So,
1: well, so this was the first birthday. I haven't been home. Um, I I'm hoping it's the last one, but, uh, just like, uh, in a moment of, uh, vulnerability, I, I, I called home at the end of the day to say goodnight to the kids. And my three-year-old Rand, who I'm really grateful because my boys, um, they really love dad. And that, that's not always the case, but he started tearing up and didn't understand why daddy wasn't coming home. Mm. And, uh, that's really hard. So in that moment, and in fact, I've just, I've been kind of a mess ever since then, cause that's the first time he's ever, he, you know, he says, why daddy? He's old enough, enough leaving, to know. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so in those moments, my wife, I text her and I say, "Hey, that's really hard. I'm like just sad. I, I want to just come home." And my wife responds to me by saying, by helping me remind, uh, by reminding me of like this opportunity that we have, and yeah. the fact that the boys love me. And they she sent me a text this morning with a photo of of Rand being a total um goofball. And so, yeah. like, we just are in this constant game of encouragement to one another. You know, when she's struggling, I'm, and we. It's not just encouragement; it's actually saying we can make. It We can choose what our mindset is here. Actually, I should say one last thing about this. I don't intend to be on the road this much the rest of my life. Like we have a specific goal, which makes it easier to say this is a season but I, I, I want to coach my kids in their sports when they're older and yeah. this is a part of the process.
0: Well I think that's great too because there is a light at the end of the tunnel when we were early in our marriage Dave had, Dave was in charge of a job that was global and he traveled constantly and it was always international travel so it was weeks at a time and I had a little baby and it was so hard and part of the reason I think it was hard was there was no light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't know when this would end and and it it hey, this is how we pay for our family to live. We don't really have another option right now. So um, I think that's a great perspective. And dang it, I'm sorry that you weren't home on your birthday. Are y'all doing something fun when you get home?
1: We had some friends over this last weekend, and then when I get home, my uh, my oldest is very excited to make a cake that he can blow the candles yes. for.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh, I love that. How much? You're where? Where are you? And then you get to go home. When now I'm like desperate for you to like be home with your kids. So
1: this isn't how it always is, uh, but yeah, you know, there's sprints and then there's like we're going to spend some time off in July. But it it, this particular uh, run is Atlantic City to Naples, Florida. Naples, Florida to um, Vegas, home for a very brief time, then to Cancun home for a oh. brief time and Cancun the for
0: fun or cancun for work.
1: No, yeah, it's I'm gonna like I'm gonna have a great picture of the beach and in a hotel. Um and then I'm taking my whole family to Florida for an event, but also spending some time. So like that's just great. This is a two week sprint and it is what it is. Yeah. And then
0: yeah. Spend some time. Well so this brings me perfectly to the questions that I ask at the end of every episode. And I'm going to do the the third one first because you, more than anybody else, should be the best to answer this, uh-huh. which is – what is the one item you cannot travel without
1: (laughs) one item one now that actually is the hardest so i will give you like four yeah no uh, so here's the one that i would say was a game changer for me there is a there is a laptop stand that's super skinny and i've seen
0: your stand i've seen your weird stand that's so funny i was like is he gonna say that computer the very first time i met kurt in person. Uh, we had breakfast and um, he is like at a table at our cafe with the most intense setup i've ever seen of like a, but you there was a really good reason why
1: yeah so like Isn't i had it so issues yeah. you My, like you spend your whole day looking down at a laptop and then all of a sudden you wonder why everything hurts and so yeah it's like this really lightweight thing it's called the roost and it moves the laptop up and now i have a real monitor rather than um like an assured future where i can't walk or stand up straight <laughs>
0: Do you um do you travel like in the good seats? Is that part of your green M M&M and M rider?
1: <laughs> um, over time, so there's a couple of things that you know the benefits. Oh, look at you trying! You're You're tired. Uh, <laughs>
0: You're tired. I'll tell you right now I will only it was uh, that's a without question is that I will only fly in the good seats or I can't do the speaking gig my schedule's too crazy I can't I can't sit in the middle seat by the bursar I'm not interested
1: well it's funny because people I have friends that are like oh live in the celebrity life I'm like no you're this is a wrong comparison you're comparing your one flight a year to my uh,
0: I'm not drinking the wine I'm not you know no I'm here because I am exhausted and I need to not have to bump elbows with someone for the next five hours
1: yeah it's your couch versus this seat like you choose yes. your couch that's the <laughs> that's what I choose to do so instead we do it.
0: that's awesome <laughs> what time when you're when you're Actually, I would love to hear this both ways. I would love to hear your morning routine when you're at home yeah. and your morning routine when you're traveling. Is it different or are you try and kind of keep the same thing?
1: Um, well, when you got kids, there's uh like there's a theoretical world and then reality. So, there's principles that are the same. And so, like I am a I'm really really disciplined the night before like the last thing I do. So, when I'm at home, that means when we when I put the kids to bed, I actually go in and I kind of get my whole day set up. I pick out the clothes that I'm wearing. I'm I Uh, I literally, like, take the... Toothpaste cap off. Like I set everything up. I set wow. at home like my coffee. Uh, I use a I'm use. not the
0: only one with OCD is what uh, you're saying. Well, and,
1: and honestly, it's just because <laughs> the next morning I like, I want to as many things that get in the way of the limited amount of time that I can get focused work yeah. in the morning and um, that's it. So it, when it comes to hotels, this is a more rigid or like uh, more just like cathartic. I would almost say like I come into the hotel often late at night and I basically take out all the clothes that I need to have um, for a, speech or for a consulting gig and I hang them, I, I pull out all the toiletries. And then the next morning, I charge up all my devices and my headphones. And then uh, the next morning, it's this shower straight into going to the breakfast place. And I do some journaling. Uh, my daily journaling routine is really um, like getting mentally and emotionally and spiritually aligned with where we're what I'm gonna do that day. And then I dive into work. And that's I'm like pretty rapid move towards work.
0: When you're journaling, are you actually physically writing or are you typing?
1: I'm physically writing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just was curious. Are you a coffee person? I can't remember.
1: <laughs> I am. You're not. No, I'm a snob. That's the issue. I'm a coffee snob.
0: <laughs> so what's your dream coffee? Like what, if you could have anything, what do you order?
1: So I like pour overs. That's what I go with a, a more light roast pour over. And then if I, if it's not, if it's risky coffee, then I'll get an Americano. <laughs>
0: So real, risky (laughs) coffee. By the way, should be the name of your biography. That feels like a really good choice. Um, I'm gonna sit with that one for the rest of the day. Uh, What's your favorite physical activity? Like, are you? I don't know what your workout and how often do you do it
1: well so um do
0: you have a workout
1: yeah that um that's a loaded question no um so i so i actually had the neck thing i have a thing called spinal stenosis which means that i used to do more lifting type stuff but i, I actually can't um mm. so running is the thing that replaced it my wife was a cross country runner and a cross country coach she i never ran before then but uh, i so I, I run on a consistent basis there are seasons that like i did uh, i try to do at least a half marathon every year um but you know. I'm so track.
0: happy to hear. I didn't I didn't know this about you. Do you know that I'm a runner? Do you know that we have not had this like friendship talk yet?
1: We haven't. And mainly because I'm uh, ashamed of the fact that I haven't been running quite as much recently. <laughs>
0: You've been running like in your life, man. That's hard That's right. enough. Um, no, I'm happy to hear this because so Kurt and I are in a mastermind together which is hilarious. We've had exactly one meeting and there was a meeting that we had yesterday and I slept through it because I forgot that it was happening. Um, But what we committed to with Mastermind was that we were going to have, we're in a mastermind with other people. That sounds very weird, like that we're our own weird thing. Um, No. So we committed that we would have one video call a month where we all help each other with our stuff. And that once a year we would do something for a weekend. And the irony that I'm just realizing as you're saying this now is that everybody in this group are runners. And I think our one thing should be a half marathon. I think that it would be like we would grow together and then we would have wine, and it would be awesome.
1: Well, you, you putting it on the podcast and me saying yes, let's do it uh, is yep. assuredly yep. the um, yeah. The that account. feels like it'll
0: it'll happen yeah. for sure. <laughs> what? Okay, so so the question that I ask everybody who's listening to this, and you can take this in uh, in the direction of your work about distraction and focus, or you can take this just in some belief that you have. But let's say everyone listening to this is going to hear you give a piece of advice right now. You're going to tell them one thing that they would absolutely hear and take in and do it would become their truth it would become something that they would do if you could tell the people listening anything that you believe is true that would help their life that would change their life what would you tell them wow i know no pressure
1: yeah buddy. seriously this is the one thing um, yep. don't watch it up right <laughs> <laughs> the so i i you know, i'm going to hedge here but I, the first thing that comes to mind for me uh, is um, to to recognize that the challenge of the world we live in is not just that we not just that we're like on our phones instead of watching our kids. It's it's our awareness. We are we've never had more access to all of the inputs that remind us of what we're missing and what we're not doing well enough and what. Um, a perfect human could do and what it would look like if we were better at our jobs. And um, guilt and shame and regret is a terrible motivator for actually moving forward in any endeavor. And so I just, I think that that um, people need to realize that like, we're okay. You know, it's okay. Yeah. And we're not going to do it all. We can't do it all. We, we are um, woefully uh, limited And um, as long as we can make peace with that, then we'll actually have uh, far less limits.
0: It's like that. I don't, I'm trying to think, is it Brene Brown or someone who says, now that you don't have to be perfect, you can just be good? Well, uh, that sounds, if it's wisdom (laughs) in a
1: poetic word, it was probably Brene Brown.
0: It's it's either Brene or Shauna. I can't remember who (laughs) says it, but it's such a good, I've like seen it everywhere lately. And I'm like, Lord, stop trying to talk to me. Stop trying to. Send me notes through Pinterest memes. Um, man, no, that is that is really great wisdom and advice. At, especially as someone like me, I am an achiever. I am uh, I do push really hard. I do want and it's a it's a good like you slow down calm down. Um, Yeah, that's, that's a really good piece of advice. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out. Your time is super spread so thin. And I know that you don't have a bunch of it to give around. So I'm always really grateful when you give some to me and share the advice and the wisdom. And I know, um, I know, A, that there are things that people are going to take about out of this conversation today. But B, I just really wanted uh, listeners to get to know you. You're my friend, and you're super helpful. And I think you're doing really good, work in the world and I just wanted them to get to know Kurt, uh, which is why I intentionally tried to kind of pull it away from just business talk and get to know you a little bit better too on the personal side. And we're going to tell them where to go follow you so that they can learn more. You're going to go follow Kurt on Instagram because I'm trying to, it'll be in the show notes as well, but tell them what your Instagram is because these listeners love an Instagram. I know your other places, but this is an Instagram crowd.
1: Yeah, totally. It's just Kurt Steinhorst. So C-U-R-T-E-S-T-E-I-N H O R S T. I don't know why I just spelled that out. I'm guessing that that's unnecessary.
0: No, you have a note every single time I try and like send you an email. I have no idea how to spell your last name, so I feel like that was smart. No, uh, yeah. So everyone, go follow him. It, the book is called. Can I have your attention? I have your t- yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm sure that they will get to know you more because this is not the only time that we're going to collaborate or hang out with each other. But um, super appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We will be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, if you have a moment and you can write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that is life to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, you can check out daispodcast.com or stalk me on every form of social media. I am Miss Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.